0: It's the Just Bloody Post-It podcast about and for people sharing their personal brand. Do we like that phrase? I don't feel like a personal brand. I just feel like a person. I don't know about you. How about sharing their mission on social media? it's all very well for me to say just bloody post it without giving a lot of thought to all the people for whom that's not so straightforward like our guest this time dr amit patel blind dad uk on insta who uses the platform having never seen a scroll or anyone's perfect grid
1: i've never experienced instagram as a as a sighted person so having someone tell me what Instagram looks like or how the platform works it's quite weird because I remember Facebook I remember Twitter I've never experienced Instagram and my wife will say oh you know this person's grid is so beautiful you know all these colors and it's and it flows so well and you are well can I do that can I replicate that can you know does mine does mine look anything like that
0: Amit recovered from the profound shock of sudden blindness at a very young age with the help of his wife, Seema, his Instagram assistant and beloved guide dog, Kika. He's now a speaker, disability rights activist and uses his Insta and Twitter to highlight the challenges visually impaired people face, including how to use social media apps effectively. Amit was diagnosed with a rare sight condition while he was at uni, keratotonus, which should have been treatable with cornea transplants until his eyes rejected them.
1: In that time, I carried on working as a trauma doctor. I was working around the world. I fell in love. I got married. um, And a year or so later, after after getting married, came home from work one day, uh, had dinner with my wife, went to bed. And there was a buildup of pressure in the back of my eyes, and they literally just went pop, and that was it. That was that was the beginning of my sight loss journey.
0: Wow. So did you wake up the next day unable to see? Was it that quick that it, the sight just went or, or was it gradual? No.
1: So I woke up in the morning with a very, very hazy vision. So I couldn't I can see my hand in front of my face, but I, I was used to that after having so many corneal transplants, I thought, you know, just just splash a bit of water on my face. I had no idea what had happened overnight until my wife saw all the blood on, on the pillow and, and over my face. It was very much go to the hospital, have, have my eyes bandaged up. Um, and that was it. I, ne- I never saw again after that.
0: What a massive shock, even for somebody who uh, had been through, you know, years of, of treatment on your eyes. Amit, how did you cope with that as somebody, a young man, I guess, I'm guessing from what you've just told me in your early 30s, facing life now being unable
1: to see i've never had a contingency if i ever lost my sight there's always well if the rejection starts up again i know where to go who to talk to so to actually go through that it, it it kind of shocked me i think i think my my body just went numb because i didn't know where to go or who to turn to and you kind of still hold on to the hope that you know it went so quickly we might be able to find a cure or do something to to kind of get the sight back again or get a little bit of sight back again but then being a doctor, you know, the doctor's hat saying to me, you know, I, I mean, you're never going to see again. And you kind of, you've got that internal conf- confliction. You're just, you're trying to hold on to something, but you know, really there's actually nothing to hold on to. It was one of those things where for me, I just didn't know what to say, what to do. So I just went very quiet, so, try to absorb, try to take it all in and think, well, this is what my life is going to be like. How can I move forward? And that, at that time, for me, it was very much impossible to even think about moving forward. It was very much to the day, you know, can I get through this day? Can I get through the next day? And it, and it was it was that internal struggle. When you go from being able to see everything and not being really able to not, not think about what you see in front of you. You just react to, to what you see, to then being in a world where everything is just dark. You don't know the difference between light and dark. You, it literally is. You don't know the difference between, you know, the morning or the evening. Because for me, it just, it, it felt the same.
0: It must have been scary, Amit. And I know that you, uh, your wife, Seema, helped you a great deal in, in that time of acceptance, I suppose, which I think anybody listening would uh, understand must take a long time to, to move from that hope that you're clinging onto into like, this is my life now. But it was when Kika arrived that things really started to turn around. Is that
1: right? Kika was something that we never really thought about you know guide dogs were never never really in our conversation it just happened that we started having conversations with with guide dog owners and the guide dog charities and we thought well you know if it's going to help me get back on my feet again if it's going to give me my my enthusiasm for life again and that, and that and that ability to be able to step out without fearing the world it's only going to be a good thing so we went down the guide dog route and um you, you're assessed to see where you work what you do how, how fast you walk how confident you are uh, so all these little things are kind of put into a into a little chart. And at the end of it, you're kind of told whether, you know, a guide dog is right for you or whether, you know, you still might need to, in, you know, improve on your ability to, to be out and about or, or, or socialize a little bit more. Or, or you need a purpose to be able to actually go out because obviously when you get a dog, you can't just sit home all day. The dog needs to be out and about as well. At the end of our assessments, I was told, Amit, you know, we, we definitely think a guide dog will enhance your life. But there's a two to three year waiting list because every guide dog is matched to the individual. So they, they didn't think there was a dog in the system at the moment. So I actually thought to myself, well, that's great because it means that I can get, I've got a couple of years to get my head around it and kind of get a little bit more confident about it. Um, six weeks later, we get the phone call to say, we think we have found you a dog, but she may not like you. They basically said to me that Kika is an amazing guide dog, but she has issues where she doesn't trust everybody. She either likes you or she doesn't, and she had a lot of trust issues when she was going through the training. Um, even her trainer was saying that it took her a long time for Kika to, to settle and actually trust the trainer. So when they brought her around for the first time, she was she was 18 months old, well less than 18 months old, so still a little puppy. Um, she she came into the flat, she walked around, and she didn't make for the door, which was a great sign. She actually went into the living room, found a sunny spot, and, and fell asleep. Uh, and I was told that's a good sign, you know, that the fact that she's not because she's comfortable,
0: the door, she feels, she's yeah, feels yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: So uh, you know, she she wouldn't she wouldn't normally relax if she was, you know, she wouldn't fall asleep if she wasn't comfortable. So um, we went for a little walk. Basically, at the, at the end of that, they said, "Look, we think this will work. So we'll put you and Kika in a hotel for ten days. So that way, it's a new environment for Kika, a new environment for me, and we both have to actually trust each other and work together." And and do our training together, and that was really the start of um, of Kika and, and me. Really, it's amazing just just how one one guide dog can change change your world.
0: So now you and Kika navigate London together, which is just crazy. I mean, I can you know barely do that on my own, but it's not always sweetness and light and great stuff. Amit, is it? I watched a YouTube video this morning that went. A bit viral at the time, I think. Kika had a camera on and she caught a man on the escalator in the tube being rude to you, impatiently asking you to get out of the way so that they could get past to get on with their very busy, important day. Is that the kind of thing that happens to you often?
1: It's something that I never thought I would ever have to encounter. It's uh, you know, you don't you don't ever think that people would be that route, because I've never experienced it. Um, you, you hear about it and you, you think, well, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a rare thing. But when you're on an escalator, you know, or you're, obviously I'm, I'm completely blind. I've got Kika in my left hand on the, on the harness. So she's, she is, so only 5% of guide dogs are escalator trained. And those 5% of guide dogs are, are based in London due to our transport system. Because we have so many escalators in London. These dogs are specially trained to use the escalators you know and i th- and i think people just don't understand just how difficult it is it just getting around london and then getting around london as a as a visually impaired person it's a whole different thing i don't think people are rude i think people just don't understand um you know and they might they might say to anybody yeah, can you move out of the way so i can get but they just don't see what's in front of them and i think that's that's the problem
0: that's very understanding <laughs> i think i think people definitely can be rude that video got a lot of uh, press coverage it's a couple of years ago, 2018, like that, yeah. Were you already using your social media channels at that time for disability advocacy? Is this something that you've always talked about publicly? You talked about public speaking, but online, were you doing it as well then
1: too? So I used to have a Twitter crowd when I, when I was sighted, when I was a doctor. When I lost my sight, obviously, uh, I, I, Twitter, Facebook, all of that stopped. I actually started using Twitter again. The first day... I did my training with Kika at the hotel. And that was, that was purely so friends and family could keep up to date with what I'm doing and how the training's going rather than calling us up all the time or calling my wife up. It was very much just a, just a way to show people, oh, this is what we've done today. Just, I love to use social media in a way to, to educate people to show them there's a you know there's a different way or there's a different way of thinking uh, and highlighting issues that people may have seen all the time but not realise it impacts disabled people. It's just a great way, a great platform, really, to, to highlight problems out there.
0: And do you find that that is a, a, an overwhelmingly positive thing or by putting this stuff out there, do you find you attract uh, more negativity?
1: <laughs> it's, it's 50. It's uh. 50, 50. It really is. It's... I. I'm relatively new to being blind sometimes you get messages saying oh I mean it's always been like this you know you just have to get used to it from from someone else who's visually impaired and probably been visually impaired all their lives and I kind of think well why do you have to get used to it you know why can't uh, workmen keep an eye on their on, on work sites when you're kind of walking through a pavement and the, and the footpath is closed why do you have to walk into the road why can't if someone sees you why can't they say well would you like a hand would you like me to take you around this obstacle? You know, why do people ignore disabled people all the time? It shouldn't have to be that way. Even when I, when I was sighted, if I saw someone who'd need help, I would, I'd be the first one there. Would, you know, I wouldn't think anything of it. As a disabled person, I need someone to give me a hand. I, I sometimes get into situations where I need someone to come along and say, can I help you? Imagine being at a train station and you're, you're on a busy train station, on a busy platform at, at peak time and you get that announcement you're on that platform you're ready to jump on your train you get that announcement to say that your train has now been cancelled or it's been it's or it's now departing from platform 3 and you're on platform 6 if you've never been to platform 3 how do you get there everybody is off that platform running to platform 3 it's it's that whole awareness it's it's just having that ability for someone to say are you okay can i help you and I think it's breaking those barriers down. That's, that's what I work towards.
0: I love that message. It's okay to offer me help. <laughs> I might need it. That's true for all of us as well. Well, we all yeah, need, help we do all need help. We Yeah, we do all need help. We yeah. do all need a hand sometimes. And we are so, uh, you know, we can be surrounded by a crowd of people and really only thinking about, you know, what we're doing and not noticing what's going on around us. Is Twitter your biggest platform on social media?
1: Twitter is easy.
0: Yeah, me. I was going to um, say how. It's... So, talk us through. How do you use Twitter? <laughs> how do you upload a photo to Instagram? Uh, you know, literally. How does how does that work for you?
1: I love tech. Uh, as as a visually impaired person, a lot of my stuff is all tech based anyway, when I was a doctor, I had a Blackberry, and I did not want to let go of my Blackberry when I lost my sight because i I used to be able to send off emails literally with my thumb you know without even looking at the screen when I lost my sight i really didn 't know anything about accessi- accessible technology i didn 't know what was out there when i when I got introduced to Apple products, which i wasn 't a huge fan of um, I, I loved the quirky keyboard I had on my blackberry I, I, I hated te- um, the touchscreens, but the fact that the the technology the accessibility side of things are built into the phone. It's not an add-on. It's not an afterthought. It's actually part of the device, which men means it works seamlessly. Um, so for me, I don't have a. There's nothing on my screen whatsoever. I use the voiceover uh, features on my iPhone to to actually read out what's on my screen. I use Tapping and touching and, and scrolling with my fingers to be able to navigate that. And it just reads it out to me. So you get to a point where you, you kind of learn the shortcuts, or I dictate my tweets to, to Twitter.
0: Well, I can see why Twitter's easier because it's just words. So if you're using voice recognition and you want to send a tweet, that seems pretty straightforward. And reading the co- and reading the content as well, like reading the replies and reading other people's tweets, that sounds like that that must yeah. work in a quite straightforward way.
1: Absolutely, and plus with with Twitter because it's actually limited to certain amounts characters, it's a lot easier to navigate and i think with with every update it gets easier and easier and easier um you know t- twitter have definitely they've
0: got it in mind you think yeah ab-
1: ab- absolutely for for someone like me when i when i when i scroll onto twitter and i come across a photo and my my phone will tell me one image and that's it if you haven't put the alt text on that image i wouldn't know what that image is So it was only recently, actually, it wasn't that long ago uh, until um, Twitter actually launched the alt text feature. So for... For a lot of visually impaired users, that was just a whole different ballgame. Now it's just a whole different world for us, where we can actually describe our photos and actually make it make it feel as if we're Twitter, you know, users like everybody else. Well, we don't have that little photo that describes this on the bottom of it, or we have to add a second tweet to describe what the photo is. Now it's kind of seamless; so it looks like everybody else's tweet. But if you're using a screen reader, there's actually those hidden words within the photo site to describe what our photo is. So it does make it, it makes it, it, makes it usable. It makes it interactive. Um, it makes it, so you're part of that community, part yeah, of Twitter yeah. community. And, and I think that's what it should be about.
0: Because, yeah, you can laugh at the same jokes and you know, all of that, yeah. you know, that, uh, Twitter's a funny place. Uh, at its best dear instagram that's what i that's what i you know connected with you i'm excited spend a lot of time on twitter now i mean that's a visual platform mm-hmm. talk us through that experience
1: for you i was very very hesitant to get to get onto instagram because i know how just how visual it is so all the photos you see on twitter most 99 of the photos you see on instagram i take you get to a stage where I now, I could put my hand out. I know how far the object is away from me or where Kika is. Uh, and it literally, you know, with, with, with the great cameras you have now, it's just point and click. But when I'm even pointing and clicking, my phone is telling me what's in front of me. So it's using, it's using... Blimey, technology.
0: Will, it's, wonders never cease. That's it never occurred to me that you took the photos.
1: Yeah, so all the 99% of the photos you saw on Instagram and Twitter and the videos are all taken by me. I would snap away. And it will load up on the cloud. And I'll, I'll if, if my wife isn't around, I'll, I'll give her a call and I say, "Have a look on the cloud. Tell me which photo is either in focus or is relevant to what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to describe." And half the time, you know, she she'll say, "Oh, it's this one," and she'll kind of ping it back to me. Um, and she'll describe what's in the photo, so for I so I can do the description for it. But sometimes she'll say, "Well, Amit, you know, you're, you've been trying to take photos of Kika, but the camera's been on a selfie, and you've just taken photos of yourself." Um, so you know, it doesn't always work
0: out. <laughs> so but she's your social media manager. She is. My, she's, my,
1: she's my eyes. Yeah. She is so because I, you know, if, if you left it down to me completely, um, you, you'd probably get blurry images. Obviously, I've never experienced Instagram as a, as a sighted person. Having someone t- tell me what Instagram looks like or how the platform works, it's quite weird because. I remember Facebook. I remember Twitter. I've never experienced Instagram, and my wife will say, "Oh, you know, this person's grid is so beautiful. It, you know, all these colors, and it's and it flows so well." And you are well. I can I do that? Can I replicate that? Can you know? Does mine does mine look anything like that? It was a hard decision to go onto Instagram, but Instagram is a great platform because there's so much engagement on Instagram. And I actually put, I actually love the engagement I get on Instagram. I can spend hours and hours and hours trying to reply back to people on Instagram because they, people will take the time and the energy and they will, they will write you some beautiful messages, you know, or they they will see a tweet and actually relate it to maybe a little part of the book and they'll, they'll put things together. And I love that. I love the fact that they will do this, but Twitter is a whole different platform, you know, it's completely the opposite instagram is is easy to navigate, but finding the alt text feature for the I photos think I need do you know what hard. I think
0: i I think I need to get you to explain what alt text even is so, for so, us
1: so alt text is the ability to actually describe what the photo is so when you take a photo and you you upload it to to say it say twitter there's a, there's a little icon on the bottom that will give you the ability to actually describe what that photo is. So if if you're taking a photo of yourself, a selfie, you could actually describe that selfie in in as much detail as you want. And imagine, imagine describing it to someone who's visually impaired, because this is what that feature is for. I want someone to take that photo and actually paint that picture in my head of what that photo is. But when you look at Instagram, you will never see that alt text you will never see that text over your photo.
0: Is it possible to add alt text in Instagram to your images or
1: There short is. Videos? Yes, absolutely. You can now you can actually add the alt text onto te- so when you're looking at your Instagram post, if for someone like me who uses a screen reader, when we actually click on the photo, it will actually describe what our photo is if you put that description in there. The moment you put that alt text in you're making it accessible for every vision impaired person.
0: I have also seen people just write a little um, note at the bottom of their caption as well, which I presume would serve the same purpose. Absolutely, yeah, you can just add it I've, there,
1: can't you? Absolutely, I've, you know, it's it's finding that advanced feature and then finding the. Old- it needs to be a little bit simpler. It needs to be you. You upload a photo, and it gives you that option straight away. It prompts do you, you to, to do that? it. Yes, that would
0: be the change. That if you if you were to talk to somebody at Facebook or Instagram, that would be the change that you're That's actually right. prompting people to do it. Yes. Yeah. How has losing your sight and becoming visually impaired, I suppose, affected how you present? yourself to the world does it make you feel self-conscious amit or has it had the opposite effect of making you think I'm just going to go out there and say and do everything (laughs) I want to why not
1: you know I am I was I when I before I lost myself I was a very confident outgoing person uh you know being a doctor it's being a trauma doctor as well I kind of had to think of my felt pretty
0: capable I imagine if you can help help people with that stuff
1: Absolutely, yeah. it was. It was, you know, it was part of me. I was always brought up to help others before I helped myself. You know, it was. It was part of our DNA when me and my brother growing up. I felt that I was making a difference to people's lives. It, and it was never about the status. It was never about what car I drove, where I lived. It was nothing about any of that. It was I would, I would help anybody at any time, whoever needed help. When I lost my sight, I lost all of that. It wasn't just my sight. It was my confidence, my independence, that that drive for life. Everything just disappeared um and I never thought I would ever genuinely smile I would put a smile on my face but it's for others around me so maybe would feel comfortable and not feel you know oh you know I it's not feeling well or what do we say well you know you you kind of have to put that persona around you that you know you're okay when you're really not and I thought that was how I was going to live the rest of my life and with help and and support with friends and family and, and Kika and and having that peer support and talking to other visually impaired people I thought well I don't have to live my life that way. I can do what I want to do. I want to get that confidence, that independence back. I want to be who I want to be. It's little steps. It doesn't all come at the same time. It's, you know, you kind of, you, you, you get that little win and you kind of build on it and it build on it and build on it. And, and eventually that smile came back. And with that smile, that confidence came back. You know, always wanting to help people, I thought, well, Medical training, you know, I've got the medical training. I've, you know, I'm, I'm confident enough to stand up and actually talk in front of people. But the biggest fear as well was, I don't know what I look like anymore. Last time I saw myself was the day before I lost my sight. It was literally, mm. it was, it was wow. at night. I thought, well, I can't go and stand up in front of a crowd and look like a slob. You know, I need to look after myself. And But then not knowing what you look like is kind of weird. You know, you look in the mirror, but you don't see really it. Really
0: kind of weird.
1: Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I, I, I do some pretty big talks. So, get, you know, being, being in front of five 600 people and standing there and actually having that confidence to do it. But you know, eventually it does come. You know, you you do start believing in yourself, and I think that's that's a that's a huge thing because you have to believe in yourself. Um, you have to believe in what you say. You have to believe in what you do, and you have to make others change the way they think because of what you say. And I think that slowly just kind of comes back. But you know, you do get people who still criticize you and say, well, you know, being being blind, you must have you know you must have lots of barriers, and you can't do this and you can't do that. But you know what, well, honestly. I wake up in the morning and I have a huge smile on my face. I didn't think I could be this happy ever in my life. I've never been this happy in my life, and that's despite of losing my sight. Uh, because I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father. I work. I enjoy what I do. I'm making a difference, um, and all of that is a motivation to keep going on and and actually actually engage with people who. You, I would probably never engage with, talking to organizations and big corporations and t- telling them, well, the way you do things is actually excluding me. How about if you do it this way, or have you th- thought about doing it that way? The simple things would be, you know, when I lost my job, I lost my career, I lost that circle of friends I had, because, you know, you, your career is a huge part of you. So when I wanted to kind of get back into the workplace, the moment I wrote down that I'm visually impaired... My application gets put to one side. I think I applied for over a hundred jobs, um, which well, I was overqualified for for a lot of them. But the mo- but I didn't get a call back for any of them. And I actually then decided to do ten applications again for the same jobs and put, not put down visually impaired. And I got a call back straight away. Mm. Um, and when, when I went into the offices to to have my interview, they just didn't know what to say. They 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 basically said, "Well, you're going to find it difficult or impossible."
0: To, to do work it, to, here.
1: To work, uh, because they had no understanding of vision impairments.
0: Part of your current mission now is is on that very topic.
1: It is. Yeah? So I, I am a, I'm a trustee for an amazing charity called the Vision Foundation. They are, they're a grant-giving charity based here in London. They do so much more work about uh, engaging with, with employers to try and get visually impaired people back into the workplace. There's over two billion visually impaired people in the UK um, and only a quarter, 27% of working age or blind or partially sighted people in the, are in work. It's, it's a tiny figure. And it's because a lot of employers think that vision impaired people can't actually work in the workplace. The Vision Foundation are working with so many organizations to try and get... Then to actually understand that having a vision impairment shouldn't stop you shouldn't stop anybody from from working because there's this technology out there there's help there's support and it's that whole mindset of things so uh, the vision foundation are really there to help and support and actually try and get more visually impaired people back into the workplace you know we're we're changing minds We're, we're, we're having these conversations those conversations people don't want to talk about people are afraid to talk about you know you want to wake up in the morning you want to you want to actually have a purpose you know if you want to work why shouldn't you be able to work
0: absolutely brilliant mission amit to educate and include people in every Aspects of uh, what brings us a a full life, you know, whether that is being able to just read a picture or have the job that you want to have, there's no reason why we can't adapt and include everybody. Thank you so much for your time. This has been inspiring, educational for me, fun, and life affirming, I think. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, pleasure. Maybe we won't all be as clearly mission-driven as Amit, but knowing why you're doing this and who you can help allows us to focus away from the challenges that we might face, the insecurities that we might have, and just bloody post it. Just get on with it. Amit's written a book about his amazing guide dog. It's called Kika and Me, and I'll put the details in the show notes if you'd like to read it. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and go and check out the just bloody post it notes I've created for you. They're mini pod episodes, just a few minutes long each, marketing sound bites for own boss business heroes like you. I'll see you next time. Bye.